Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Paula, Jordana, and DJ, it's already, what day is it? I think it's Wednesday. It is. We're getting over the hump, my friend. We're getting there. We're we're talking less about COVID, which I think is a good thing. We'll find out Dr. Uh, Poland, Dr. Greg Poland, is going to be joining us in a few minutes. And I'm anxious to ask him, is, is it over? We've we've pivoted in the span of a week from talking about the pandemic to talking about a major war in Central Europe and concerns about World War Three and nuclear this and nuclear that and what's Putin going to do? I I mean I realize we all have short attention spans, but good grief! I mean this is like whiplash. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you think right. of the uh, State of the Union last night? Did you watch it? You know I think that Biden's in a tough spot. I think, you know, he he defined the State of the Union as strong. And then I feel like we are, I mean, except for the war in Ukraine, which we are all united pro-Ukrainian, anti-Russian, Russian aggression, excuse me, not anti-Russian, I mean anti-Russian aggression. um, I feel like domestically our State of the Union is... um, is is divided and weak and angry and tired and depressed. I I don't feel that the state of our union is strong. I I would disagree with uh, his assessment of that. I think we can get there. I think things are cyclical. I think countries go through hard times. Um, But we, um, I think we're in a growth period. But I don't know that we, I certainly don't think we're at our strongest. What about you? Yeah. I, I I thought there were I thought it started strong mm-hmm. and ended strong with a call to action. The stuff in the middle was a little mushy and um but where there was bipartisan support was when President Biden talked about Ukraine and our support of Ukraine and pushing back on Russia. And it there was no gray. It was black and white and he got standing ovations. 78% of voters polled by CBS said they approved of Biden's State of the Union speech in which uh, he slammed Putin for starting a premeditated and unprovoked war. Here's what he had to say. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. 
President Zelensky, to, their, to every Ukrainian, their fearlessness, their courage, their determination literally inspires the world. Groups of citizens blocking tanks with their bodies, everyone from students to retirees to teachers, turned soldiers defending their homeland. And in this struggle, President Zelensky said in his speech to the European Parliament, light will win over darkness. The Ukrainian ambassador to the United States is here tonight, sitting with the First Lady. Let each of us, if you're able to stand, stand and send an unmistakable signal to the world of Ukraine. Thank you. And, and that's great. And I, I guess State of the Union addresses are for that, you know, a little rah-rah. And the only thing that we can rah-rah about is the fact that we support Ukraine. Uh, and Ukraine is killing it. I got to be honest, they're doing a great job of being brave and strong and united and and fighting for freedom and for what they believe in. Uh, I think Americans uh, would would heed would heed to do well, do well to heed their their message of coming together against a common enemy when we could not against the common enemy of COVID uh, come together. In fact, it divided us more, which is which is bad and humiliating and wrong. And we handled that very badly as a country. And um, but I'm glad that, you know, there was some applause that people got behind during the State of the Union address. I guess I guess it was good yeah. for Biden that he got to talk about that. It's pretty black and white. It's it's a battle between democracy and autocracy. You know, do you favor the rule of law? There are rules. We all follow rules. Or, you know, does anything go? If you're a bully, you can get away with anything. If you have enough mm-hmm. weapons, you can force your will on a neighboring country. And I think most sane people, and I think even most Russians, would probably agree that that's madness, and it's not right, and it's unsustainable. But Putin uh, and his supporters in the Kremlin... Uh, Think differently. Anyway, we're going to have more sound, uh, more clips yes. from the State of the Union. And we've got a lot of stuff uh, coming up at the show today, Jura, right? That's right. And we have two big giveaways. We are giving away Wolves tickets because it's Wolves Wednesday. And yes. we are giving away Rod Stewart tickets with a chance to win oh. the grand prize. Uh, that is a night at the Sample Hotel and dinner out. And Handsome Husband and I will join you for that. So stay tuned for those two things. We will be tweeting during the show. So give us a follow on social at P. Douglas Weather at uh, Jordana WCCO and over at Instagram um, at Jordana Verde and again uh, Paul Douglas Weather there as well. So coming up next we will be joined by Dr. Gregory Poland from the Mayo Clinic because yes we're going to shift gears. We'll hear what Biden had to say about COVID and then we will ask our questions of Dr. Poland next. You know we've lost so much in COVID-19. Time with one another. The worst of all the much the loss of life. Let's use this moment to reset. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. See it for what it is, a god-awful disease. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are, fellow Americans. That was good advice. I don't know how we ever got to that dark place, but that was good advice. We need to get over it. Um, and we need to move on. And people are saying, I heard someone say, COVID's over. 
Oh, that, those are well, those are big talking words right there. I hope so. Well, let's get some right. Let's get some answers. Dr. Gregory Poland at the Mayo Clinic. You can hear exclusively on the Paul and Jordana show. Well, I guess, and you can also read his great writings. But he's joining us now. So, Dr. Poland, we're so happy to have you back. Hey, Jordana. Hi, Paul. Hey. So let's start with that. Is COVID over? Um, no, it, it's not over. But I got to tell you, after two years of this, I am very encouraged. You look at Minnesota, we are down to 1,300 cases, 23 per 100,000. Our hospitalizations, 638 in the last week, 21 deaths. Only only 68% of the population fully vaccinated, but we are well on the way to suppressing this down to endemic levels. No one knows what's going to happen. And, you know, we've been surprised five times previously. But I think we've got reason for optimism here if we if we kind of peek our head out and, you know, walk, don't run. Dr. Poland, and, and boy, I, I can't say I'm feeling lucky after the last two years. I And I worry about new variants coming along. But, yeah, we, we have to get back to our old lives. We have to figure out how to live with this thing. CDC saying that more than 140 million Americans have had the virus, 43%. Yeah. Between that and the number of people who've been vaccinated, are we anywhere close to herd immunity, or could another variant set us back to where we were last March? Yeah, I, both. <laughs> I, I think a new variant that would yet again further escape immunity could could set us back. That's why I say let's walk toward normality, not not run as enthusiastic as we all want to be about that. Um, are, are we reaching herd immunity for a virus like this? Probably not quite there. Um, if you look at those numbers, only 43% of the population has immunity. When you look at uh, people 18 to 49, for example, only 50%. People 50 to 64, only 37%. So, you know, any anything could happen. But I am optimistic, Paul, and you know over two years, I, I haven't been. I am optimistic that we are headed in the right direction. And if we're not foolish and if things beyond our control, for example, you know, if Europe starts being flooded with refugees from the Ukrainian war, their immunization rates about 35 percent. That could change everything. And whatever happens Ugh. in Europe is going to happen here. Oh, boy. Yeah. I didn't consider that. That is frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Poland, what what frightened me most today was hearing about the impact on male genital tracts. I mean, we talked about we talked about schlong COVID months ago, right? The impact on and it's a it, it, it was a real thing for many men, right? I mean, it, it did increase the odds of erectile dysfunction, which nobody likes to talk about, which is why I'm talking about it. Tell us about this. This is really interesting. Some investigators in Tulane. We're studying the trafficking of SARS-CoV-2 virus in monkeys. And one of the, they were doing PET scans and one of the investigators thought they were studying female monkeys and they went and looked because oh. they couldn't believe it. The penis, the testicles, the prostate, the blood vessels going to those areas brightly shining and lit up 
from coronavirus. So, and as you mentioned, for humans, we know that about 20% uh, of people who get in, of men who get infected develop genital symptoms and about a three to six fold increased risk for erectile dysfunction. So, so this is very bad news for monkeys and bad news for those who are, sorry, monkeying around. Oh, snap. Oh. That's that's the kind of quality jokes you get here on the show, Dr. Poland. We appreciate that. Oh, my God. Okay, so. Scientists aren't in comedy, right? Oh, you're funny. Wow, all the more reason to have gotten that vaccine because COVID is, is... can be damaging to the parts yeah. that are important. Yeah, right. wow. Now, you know, there, well, there, there's other news that's con- concerning in, in all our yeah. optimism. And those are the data that have come out in regards to 5 to 11-year-olds and 12 to 17-year-olds. The immunity they receive from the vaccine, uh, protecting them against disease that would cause them to go to the ER or the urgent care, waned very quickly. It remained highly protective against hospitalization and death. And, you know, that's that, that of course, is the big outcomes that, that we care about. Um, and a booster restored that back up into the 80 percent. So it, it's going to be important as we move along here that people have only gotten who have only gotten two doses, including um, the younger people, need to get a booster and again, we're going to have to watch and wait. I know everybody wants to get those masks off and, you know, celebrate. That's probably okay as we move toward that. But with the understanding that if we can't get people immunized, fully immunized and boosted, and if we start seeing new variants like this, this so-called stealth Omicron variant, we may have to put them back on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. back that up. What is the stealth Omicron variant? So this is this is what's called BA2. It's about 30% more transmissible than the um, Omicron variant. Um, it is uh, it, it is about uh, one in five cases globally now. Republic of South Africa went from 25% of their sequences to 86% of their sequences being BA2 in one week. Uh, here in the U.S., uh, our rates of BA2 have about tripled. So it's something that we've got to watch. Okay. Yeah. And, but is it like Omicron where it's a little less severe? It appears to be about the same okay. severity as Omicron and not worse, okay. thankfully. Hey, Paul, can I just jump in about the, those yeah, boosters ahead. that we were talking sure. about? Because I, I want to talk actually about David. Uh, David got the J&J. He got the Johnson and Johnson. Now, David, did you get two or one? Uh, the J&J, I got it, you know, early, uh, you know, early last mm-hmm. year. And then I got a booster, which uh, okay. because of Dr. Poland, because of your suggestion, mm-hmm. I got the Pfizer uh, Pfizer booster. So now I've had two shots. A- a- am I good to go? Am I fully vaccinated or should I be looking at a third shot? You should be looking at a third shot. The recommendation is you get your first dose. Then three or four weeks later, based on whether you got Pfizer or Moderna, I'll come back to that in a minute. And then um, five months after that second dose, you get your booster. Now, a key thing that changed this week for people 12 and older who have normal immune systems and are less than 65, that interval between the first and second dose can 
be spaced out as long as eight weeks. And the reason for that is they develop better immunity and even less of that rare side effect called myocarditis or inflammation of the heart. But Mm -hmm. Dave, for sure, a third dose, a booster dose for you. Get on that, David. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to masking in schools, um, where do you stand? I realize that's a decision each school district is making, but yeah, how comfortable I, I, would you I, be if you had small kids, even toddlers in daycare without masks? Uh, you know, can we open things up and lower our guard just a little bit with, with, with the young ones? I cautiously think so. Now, it depends on where you live. There are some counties in Minnesota that still have high levels of transmission because the people there have not gotten immunized. They think because maybe I got infected, I'm fine, I'm immune. Uh Uh-uh. Your risks with Omicron of getting reinfected are about five and a half times higher than somebody who got distantly uh, infected and then got vaccinated. So depending on where you live, I think the answer to that is a cautious yes. Okay, good. All right, Dr. Poland, we are signing David up for a shot and (laughs) spreading the word that get your vaccine if you haven't because we're worried about your penis if you get the COVID. (laughs) Sure. I like No, 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 no. I'm worried. No, no. That's not what the The cue card says. Well, the COVID can be bad for the penis. We got to make a note. <laughs> it can, okay. and, and you know, and what we're worried about is that we're going to see a generation of men with reproductive difficulties, low sperm oh. counts, and uh, so you know, we're worried about that for the brain and for the lungs and heart and people who got um, COVID. And some interesting data that's come out in that regard. Hmm. Dr. Gregory Poland, always keeping us up to date. We so appreciate you. Thank you again for the time and the expertise. All right, be safe and work on Dave. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Right, we got to get you that. We got to get you that. Uh, let's let's uh, get to the break because CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland on Ukraine. He's next. Jordana and Paul here. We're going to talk with CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland, but we just wanted to clarify one quick thing. Uh, in involving the uh, vaccines we were talking about with Dr. Poland. So DJ, DJ got the J&J, then he got the Pfizer booster, 
and we misspoke about something. So, DJ, what's the story? Yeah, yeah, we just had a little miscommunication, but Dr. Poland uh, clarified to me that off-air that folks like myself who got the J&J shot originally, that means I'm fully vaccinated in one shot, and then I got a mm-hmm. Pfizer booster, or, you know, you can mm-hmm. get a different booster. I got the Pfizer, which means I- I'm good to go. I'm vaxxed and boosted. I do not need an additional shot. So, even though okay. my original was only one, I'm two shots fully vaccinated and boosted where most folks are at three right now so just wanted to clarify that thank you for the clarification thank you thank you hey the numbers are staggering when it comes to ukraine estimates of 850,000 ukrainians have fled the country many of those most of those have gone into poland kudos to uh to the poles who've who've led in the ukrainians Mm -hmm. basically sight unseen and so they're they're doing a a huge favor uh to ukraine and to the rest of the world Ukraine State Emergency Service says over 2,000 civilians died during the first week of war. Impossible to confirm that. And again, Russia says about 500 of their soldiers have been killed. The Ukrainian forces are saying closer to 6,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in the first six days of war. One thing seems fairly certain in the fog of war, it's not going the way that that Vladimir Putin was hoping it would go. And I wanted to get, we wanted to get CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland back. A little bit of uh, straight talking when it comes to Ukraine and what's really going on. Jeff, welcome back. Paul, it's great to be with you. It, the concern that I think a lot of people have, based on the headlines in recent days, is that Putin is bringing in uh, cluster bombs, uh, these vacuum bombs, which are horrific. They use uh, gasoline, and they literally suck the oxygen out of the air. And and they're banned, I think, under the Geneva Convention. And now there's talk of sieges for Kiev, surrounding Kiev and the other major cities, and trying to starve the local population. Is, is there concern among the analysts you talk to that Putin is going to keep turning up the dial and bring more lethal strategies, more lethal weapons into Ukraine? Absolutely, without question. I mean, the Soviet military doctrine and Russian military doctrine, which evolved from that, which I studied for the last 40 years or so of my time in the military, emphasizes three things. Achieve surprise, speed, and then mass. Well, they didn't have surprise because we watched them massing this force using commercial satellites. They may have had a bit of tactical surprise about exactly when they attacked and where, but basically did not achieve that. They have not achieved speed. They are bogged down and having horrific problems with logistics, fuel, ammo, food, all those sort of things. You know, we used to say when I was in the military, strategy and tactics is for amateurs. Logistics and sustainment is for professionals. And we're seeing that played out. So not having achieved achieved those two things, the Russians will now move to the third thing, which is mass, mass. And how does that translate? That translates into more forces. They've now committed, we think, about 80% of the forces they had arrayed. We now see this long convoy trying to make its way slowly to Kiev, which is astounding. We might see the entry of Belarusian military forces on the side of the Russians the next few days. I think that's a distinct possibility. But mass for the Russians will really translate into more missiles, more rockets, more artillery, more close air support, and the kind of weapons, Paul, that you talked about, the thermobaric bomb, which can achieve a, an explosive power that's, you know, small-yield nuclear weapon-type power, drop whole large buildings, kill everybody in a particular area due to the explosive power of these weapons. And they're using those 
indiscriminately, as well as appears cluster munitions. Uh, even though they say they're not targeting civilians, that's a blatant lie, and they make a watch film that proves that's untrue. What they're trying to do, of course, is destroy the Ukrainian military, but also crush the will of the Ukrainian people, which has provided far more resistance than the Russian general staff ever expected. Let's talk. A, uh, this is Jordana, by the way, Jeff. Yep. And um, let's talk a little bit about that resistance. I think we all stand amazed at the Ukrainian resistance and the fact that President Zelensky remains alive. Thank God is uh, a surprise to so many of us. Uh, could could the outcome of this be that Russia does not remain victorious and they lose this? And then if so, how does Putin save face at this point? Or is he just a, a, an unhinged um, you know, dictator that will do whatever he can to win at this point? Well, you know, you have to think, John, about what threat did Ukraine really pose to Russia? And I'd say the threat was more to the regime than to Russia. So Putin described it, well, you're going to put missiles in Ukraine. Untrue. Well, you're going to admit Ukraine to NATO. Not going to happen any time in the near future. So he tried to describe it as a threat to the security of Russia. It's really been a more of a threat to the regime. And the real threat is that Ukraine would become a successful democracy, become a successful market economy. And obviously, if it did, that would serve as a large Slavic country on the border of the Russian Federation that was doing quite well, while well, its population knows that Putin is overseeing a kleptoctic uh, leadership of oligarchs, and that's not going to go well for the regime. But now the threat to, to Putin is even worse, because if he loses, as you suggest, then he's humiliated. And how does he go back to Moscow and look all those oligarchs and the general staff in the eye and try to say, you know, we actually won? I like to say there's no retirement home for old dictators when things go astray. And that's why I fear that he's going to move more towards mass to try to crush the Ukrainians. And then it's really unclear to me what type of end state he thinks he's going to achieve, because even if he were to defeat the Ukrainian military, and he might well do that, the Russians have an awful lot of military hardware, let's be honest. How can he possibly believe, he wouldn't see what he has, that he can truly ever occupy Ukraine the size of Texas with 45 million people, unless he wants to put about one-third to one-half of the Russian army permanently in Ukraine to occupy it. Yeah, it's it's mission impossible. But where's the off-ramp for Putin? If And I don't know what the analysts you talk to, the intelligence agencies you talk to, Jeff, are saying about whether or not he's sane, whether he's a rational actor still operating logically, or if he's been possessed by something else in his zeal, to reconstitute the old Soviet Union, is he a rational actor? But my question, are sanctions going to have any impact on his decision-making, and where's the off-ramp if he does want to de-escalate? Do we have to come up with some way for him to save face uh, for this to end soon? We know all wars must end, and we know the one thing you don't want to do is paint your opponent into a corner. That's not good. But unfortunately, the other rule of negotiation is don't paint yourself into a corner either. And I fear that Vladimir Putin has done that. So in terms of the sanctions, you know, Mr. Putin has pushed all his poker chips to the center of the table. So I think what we're doing right now is not so much trying to convince him to find an offer. Though he could say, for example, he could announce we've been successful. He could come back home. He could call for negotiations and try to put a fig leaf on all that. But he could try to do that. And dictators can oftentimes do that. They lie frequently. He could lie about that. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. So now the off-ramp, I think, it really is we're trying not to so much influence him 
but influenced the people around him, the military and the oligarchs. The oligarchs, by some estimates, lost $125 billion in a couple days last week. That'll put a crease in your wallet. And the Russian economy obviously is collapsing. We're watching an implosion of that economy while they try to destroy Ukraine physically. The value of the ruble is down to a penny or less. Inflation is rampant. They have raised interest rates already to 20%. They won't even open the stock market, for goodness sakes. So that's going to influence them. And we're supporting the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians are fighting well, and that's going to influence the uh, Russian general staff. So perhaps the, the off-ramp for all of us is those leaders in Russia finally decide they need to find Mr. Putin a place to go and move him out and bring somebody in that can bring this to a close. A mm. bunker and a bullet? Mm. Uh, Jeff, yeah. how long do you think this can last, and will the U.S. eventually send military? Well, I'll answer the second question first. The United States do not believe, and the president has been pretty adamant about that, that we're going to send U.S. military forces in physically to Ukraine on the territory or, by the way, put aircraft over the airspace of Ukraine like a no-fly zone. To do so would put us in a position of confronting the Russian Federation, and that would be a direct nuclear confrontation between us, the two largest nuclear powers on the planet Earth. I don't think anybody wants to go there. Uh, how long this could last? Well, obviously, I think this could grind on for a long period of time. Certainly, the Russians are not moving very, very rapidly. They have hardly made any progress in the last couple of days towards Kiev. They're making some progress in the south, but that's still slow, and their logistics seem to be totally bogged down. So the actual conventional fight could go on for some time. Even if that was successful, as I suggested to you, uh, it seems to me, based on the spirit we see of the Ukrainians, the amount of weaponry that have been passed out to the civilian population, Molotov cocktails and all that kind of thing, the Russians are going to be facing, even if they were sort of, quote-unquote, successful, a counterinsurgency. And they, don't, they remember, they remember very, very well that they lost 15,000 killed in action in Afghanistan. Yeah. Fighting an insurgency in 10 years. We lost 2,500, oh, by the way, over 20 years. And they uh, certainly could expect they might get bogged down in something like that. Hey, Jeff, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, Putin has been waving the nuclear card. Just the fact that he, you know, took the alert level up a couple of notches. And I think even his generals seem to be surprised and concerned. Is is that something that we need to stay awake worrying about? Um, where, where do you come down on that? Is he is he bluffing? Would he really play that card, even if it was just a low-grade nuclear uh, explosion somewhere in Ukraine, to make his point? Well, you know, this is the, the, the real problem. And the kind of work I do analytically always breaks down when you got, get to the question of rationality. And if the person you're dealing with is not rational, then your best analysis can kind of go out the window. That being said... We have seen the Russians in the past when they invaded uh, Hungary in 1956 and Czechoslovakia in 68 and Solidarity and opposed that in the 1980s and even invaded Afghanistan in 79, that they put their nuclear forces on a higher level of alert. So they've somewhat done this in the past. Number two, clearly it's saber-rattling by Putin. It's underscoring what he said in that speech at the onset, that long kind of diatribe in which he said anybody who interferes will suffer consequences beyond their imagination or words to that effect. So he's reminding us if we needed to have that memory or our allies that he has that particular option. U.S. has kind of taken it as, okay, that's fine. We're monitoring what Russian nuclear forces are doing. 
The Pentagon has said there's been no change in status, by the way, uh, of U.S. nuclear forces. Uh, they did postpone a test launch for a Minuteman missile routine test launch that they had planned. That was postponed, I think, in the middle of a crisis. That's just prudent. But this is a point of major concern. And if he's gone to thermobarics and everything else, might he then say, think I could go to using a tactical nuclear weapon to try to bring this particular war in the Ukraine to a close? Sadly, not out of the realm of the possible. Mm. Okay. Jeff McCausland, CBS, military analyst like no other. Thank you, Jeff, for joining <laughs> us today. We, we always appreciate your perspective. Be safe. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You bet. It's Ugh. frightening, the whole thing. The whole yeah, thing is I frightening. Know. Yeah. Uh, when we get back, a black female World War II unit is finally recognized. Find out how next. By the way. Welcome back, Jordana and Paul. Thanks for hanging out with us. God, uh, Jeff McCausland is fascinating. He's really got a good handle on everything. I'm glad we got him on. He is. And, and he's, I found him to be a straight shooter. He kind of, I mean, look, there's the fog of war. We don't know what we don't know. By the way, it's 33 degrees. I said 22. Weather guys should at least get the current temperature right. It's 33 out there right now. Please adjust. 33? Yeah. That's a vacation. That's pretty close to average. Yeah, I just want to David, be I just want to make sure our out time's right, because if it is, then I can get this kicker in. It is right, and you can. Okay, Go good. Then that's what I'm going to do. I want to share with you that uh, the first the first all-black female World War II unit is be- finally being recognized with a Congressional Gold Medal. I love everything about this story. The House voted on Monday to give them Congressional Gold Medals. There is one remaining survivor. She is 101. There were originally uh, 850 service members. Maybe six are alive. One who was 101 heard the vote, Major Franny Griffin McClendon. And here's what this wonderful battalion did. They were a mail unit and airplane hangers full of undelivered Christmas packages and mail parcels addressed to soldiers were, were in these airplane hangers. They were dimly lit, rat infested, unheated. And the members of the 6,888th battalion were up to the task. They worked eight hour shifts on three schedules, nonstop, 24 hours, seven days a week to get the mail to the uh, to the soldiers. More than 7 million information cards and serial numbers. They had to go through all of this stuff and they found everything and they got the mail to the soldiers and they are being honored with a medal of honor. And I am so thrilled to bring you that story. Isn't that a great story? That is a great story. Progress. About that. Yes. Progress. It's unfortunate that these women uh, were not honored until now, but they have been and that is fantastic. Yep. Um, I want you to stay tuned to the show. We are going to give away Rod Stewart tickets. We are going to give away Wolves tickets. We have oh. uh, much to give away for you today. Super fun stuff. A lot to give away. We're going to have a fun quiz about country slogans. And I want you to, we may even tweet during the break. Follow us on social at P. Douglas Weather uh, on Twitter and at Jordana Verde on Instagram. And we got you covered. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.